Okay, watch out. I've left the swears in this one. So there may be some F-bombs. Sorry. And welcome to Michael and Ivanka's Grand Podcast, a weekly podcast about stuff in the universe and talking and thinking about stuff and being so, so clever. Uh, my name is Michael Forrest. And I'm Ivanka Magic. And this week we're going to be talking about Meaning Conference because I went to Meaning yesterday and I've got a very detailed and well thought through report. Mm, that's good. Is it that time already? So technically, this is our, an anniversary podcast, but it is. We, this is what one o two. So we're like we missed one. <laughs> so we're not on quite the fifth. Well, it should be like one o four, shouldn't it? But I oh know we missed two. So um, it's fine. That means a hundred was a good one, and like I've already started season three on the on oh, the listing for one o one. So this is just a uh, yeah. Just a roundup of the daily, what is it like a little reboot session? Meaning, because you weren't going to yeah. go, but where did how did you end up going? I tweeted because I saw they did a thing out to say, uh, you know, you can have if you do a multi buy. So I said, anyone want to go with me? <laughs> then, but when? Then, uh, like last week. Oh, okay. maybe. So um, they had some left, so you just went. But yeah. You, uh, okay. So somebody. Got I didn't me. see that tweet. <laughs> I don't really look at Twitter. <laughs> I'm always on the Twitters. Um, so, yes, so I brought, as per usual, uh, that encouraged them to people who hadn't... Who'd, like one person that I haven't seen, I used to work with, haven't seen for about five years, we worked out. Uh, she, she had signed off for some underlings to go. And then when I tweeted, she was like, oh, maybe I should go. So she came, she'd never been before, two of my friends from Liverpool that I used to work with. So I had a nice, you know, it's just nice. I was trying to take a newbie if I can. Okay. Uh, and it's 10 minutes walk from my house, so it'd be rude it's not nice. to. Yeah. Uh, the dog's really going <laughs> for it now. It's just Michael and Ivanka's motorbike and dog podcast. All right, well, let's play music. How's it going, Ivanka? It is going well. I am enjoying myself in Brighton. I am seeing lots of people that I like and that I haven't seen. I made some delicious granola. Okay. What's that involved? <laughs> Toasting some uh, oats. Toasting some oats. Actually, no, it was a one to five ratio with Ooh. one oats and the rest nuts and seeds. Ooh. It was uh, most fancy. It was very nice. Uh, and I baked it very, very slowly. Normally I just whack it in <laughs> 10 minutes, toast it a bit bosh. But this was more of a gentle, lower heat, slow thing uh, that I read in some gut book because I've obviously now that you've recommended the gut <laughs> thing, it's now become an obsession of going obsession. reading as much as possible because uh, that's how I roll. And um, so, yes, I'm, I'm, you yeah, know, I'm good. I'm good. Good. How are you, Glad Michael? I, I'm going to try and bosh through uh, my back. I've got like this backlog of things to talk about. I'm going to bosh through half of them. I, I wanted to say that um, that four and a half hour what's going on in Twin Peaks video. I wanted to bring that up in relation to your father's policy on violence and stuff that you watch. Like it's OK. Oh, if it's yes. historical. Like um, I think... I think they're on a similar page because I think what Lynch is... It's about Lynch's problem with television that murder and violence have become commodified and, like, have no consequences and it's victim of the weak and there's never really a... You know, there's a lot of these yeah. crime things in the 90s where... Still are, obviously, but um, where, like, people are getting killed and it's... But that's, like, they're not... Re that's not really dealt with. It's just like, oh, and here's the detectives and... Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's... it's uh, and he sort of considers that a poison in society and that if violence is going to be shown, it should, like, count... And it's part of life. So it's like you've got to show the intensity of these things. And um, and then the sort of villain, the, the evil Bob, is sort of represents TV's 
TV's sort of corrupt way of dealing with things like that and um, just sort of doing it for fun. Like, violence for fun is kind of like what the bad character in that is, is sort of driven by. And it's and then and you look at all the surreal dialogue and it sort of makes sense in, 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 in the... In, when interpreted as a meta narrative on television, <laughs> it sort of starts to make sense. Like even the point he goes, uh, "Look, that you know the floor has got like the zigzag parquet, whatever pattern on it." Yeah, like that classic thing. He's like, "This is the this represents radio waves through which TV is broadcast." And I was like, "Come on!" And I was like. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> like that room is like the TV station, and all the characters in there sort of represent the, you know, the sort of different conflicting interests of uh, TV executives and things like that. So you can sort of see, like a lot of good things. Like it's sort of, it's by being sort of self-referential, it can be a lot deeper. I think I think a lot of art does well to do that. Um, I'll tell you finally for this week. I'll tell you my. Um, uh, sorry, I'll let you respond if you have anything to say. <laughs> no, I just think I don't really know what to say. No, well, I'm just going <laughs> to talk at you about that because I thought it was interesting. I just think it's interesting. Um, so I, I might have a response in a couple of weeks. Okay, sounds good. Away. Sounds good. <laughs> Um, finally, uh, yeah, I just I told you about this already, but like I just uh, I really came a cropper of Amazon cloud computing service when I was doing my bills yesterday. I was like, what's this three hundred pound charge from Amazon? I don't remember buying any gadgets from Amazon. And then I look and it's no, it's AWS, Amazon Web, Web Services. So a few weeks ago, I was doing some neural networks, artificial intelligence sort of explorations, and it was a bit slow on my own computer. So I thought I'd rent some cloud hosting space on Amazon and sort of like even put in a request for the supercharged one. And um, so I was doing stuff on there. And then when I went home that day, I sort of clicked the terminate instance because it's like it's kind of it they charge you a lot by the hour and then sort of forgot about it and then sort of went in to look at it the next afternoon and realized that I'd left this thing on overnight so for like 38 hours basically and um that was 300 pounds I hadn't quite registered it was going to be like 300 quid so I've contacted them and said please have mercy like I think there's there's a bit of blame on your side as well in that like it wasn't obvious that it hadn't turned itself off even though I'd definitely click the button but then i'd found oh god is it i can't remember if it was a confirmation dialogue or if yeah. it was like the, the request had failed or something um and i hadn't double checked it which obviously like after that i was double checking it really hard but i'm hoping i get my 300 quid back it's not like jeff can't afford it what did he say it was worth 140 billion 114 billion dollars this is not a human, one single human being cannot be worth that much, surely. So hopefully it'll give me my poxy 300 quid back uh, for a mistake and uh, make me not scared to try kind of researching AI stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because that was like, that was a bummer. That is a bummer. I don't like that. That's like my water bill. Oh, yeah, exactly. I was thinking like at least I... Because I might not have even looked at it again the next day. Yeah, <laughs> I might yeah. have left it on for a week. Like, and then you'd be broke, bankrupt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, jeez, for something you can't even see. It didn't send me any emails. It's, oh, yeah. Anyway, so that's fun. about meaning Ivanka tell me what happened uh, so we have mentioned meaning a few times um, on, on podcast this is where it is where our podcast was invented after all mm. uh, at the end of meaning as everyone was leaving um, it's a day long conference in Brighton it's been going for about 10 years because it's a business conference and it brings together lots of people it's not necessarily digital it's not necessarily digital transformation it's not anything it's it's about doing business in the world so and they are very good at gathering lots of different people together uh, and they leave enough time so there's speakers and then there's a few workshops going on in parallel streams this year I didn't make a I was late uh, and B, I made no attempt to do any of the workshops because actually it's quite nice to sit somewhere and just be spoken at by people who are passionate about what they're talking about and just 
soak up some inspiration. Mm -hmm. So I do enjoy it and I do recommend it to people. So do go along. Um, there, it was yesterday, I'd say I enjoyed myself. I thought, um, you know, we went, well, I think the first year you and I went was a very, it was a lot of it was really low. <laughs> and we were like, I don't know if it was the, sort of the energy was a bit like, oh, we're doomed. Mm. Um, but yesterday, despite the first speaker being Claire Farrell of Extinction Rebellion, uh, which was obviously very uh, sombre, shall we say, uh, it, despite that, the people that came afterwards, and it's a quite a classic meaning conference set up where you know we start with the baseline bad news and then we talk about all the ways that it could or should be fixed mm. um so uh so yeah that was the the structure i thought all the speakers were very good yesterday i didn't think i thought you know we started with extinction rebellion uh, Claire Farrell introduced herself. She said her boyfriend says she's like the opposite of a stand-up comedian. <laughs> so she <laughs> apologised in advance for making everyone miserable. She did a clever thing in her talk. I thought at the end of the talk, she said, because well, often at these things they go like, I'll give you 20 seconds to talk to your neighbour and tell them what you think meaning means. Mm. And uh, at the end of her talk, she said, well, you know, I'd like to leave you for, give you a minute or two to talk to the person next to you about, you know, what you think you could do. And... You know, a minute or two later, everyone realised she'd just walked off stage to no applause, which was a nice... She'd just gone. It's uh, mm. like, I'm not here to get cheered. Uh, so I think that set it off appropriately for what for her message, which mm. was, of course, that we're all fucked. Um, so, uh, so I... It was just we're all fucked unless, yeah. or just we're or, all fucked? Or, you know, it's like, basically, it's... We're all fucked. Uh, we need, you know, things are not looking good. We are way not meeting our targets. We're not doing enough. We're not taking enough action. She talked about how Extinction Rebellion was formed. Um, she talked about, so the fact that it was, even though everyone goes, oh, digital connects everything, new social networks, but actually it, it started off the back of uh humans taking a small talk on the road and then every time they gave the talk which was delivered face to face they'd leave a sign up sheet that literally had three tick boxes which is um uh, would you would are you prepared to protest are you prepared to get arrested are you prepared to do prison time and those mm. were the three check boxes and then so when they'd gathered i think she said it was about 60 talks they gathered all this contact information so when they came to launch extinction rebellion they had a a selection of contact details to start mm. with um she talked about how you know on the streets especially in this most recent rebellion, it was more obvious that they were touching more different people in society. So an ex-policeman might, and a teacher and a doctor and a, these, it's no longer, maybe the first one was a bit, she didn't say this, but she was like, increasingly it covers all layers of society mm. because it affects everybody. Um, especially now the, with the news of the, all the flooding that's happening in Yorkshire yeah. and Derbyshire and the state well, of the, Venice. the you know, and Venice, fires yeah. in Australia, fires in California. Like one of my friends that he um, sent me a picture of the fires. It's just from Australia. It's, it's mind blowing. So, you know, she was talking in this context. She was talking with like in the context of we've got very little time to act. We need each other. We need to, um, you know, approach all this with a, with courage and an open heart. Otherwise, we mm. can't sort it out. We can't... She doesn't use words like sort it out. She uses words like we're not going to be able to live in this new society that is going to inevitably evolve. Uh, mm. She talked about the fact that one of the things that they also did, because she was like knowing her audience and, um, you know, it's a business conference. So she talked about essentially like without saying the words minimal, minimum viable protest. So she <laughs> right. talked about the experiments they kind of did before, like how much effect you get if you occupy gr the Greenpeace office, because that's one of the first thing they did. They turned up at Greenpeace with some flowers and a cake and occupied their offices because Greenpeace has been going for, you know, it's been shouting for whatever it is, possibly more than 30 years, mm. but there's no change. So yeah. that, that was one of the first places they 
they occupied, the protests they did to stop the new runway at Heathrow, which was a hunger strike. She talked about the fact that going on hunger strike for two weeks was one of the things that prompted her friends and family to, even though she's been talking about um, sustainability in the climate crisis for a long time, it was only when she went on, on hunger strike that her family were like, all right, now we're listening. Mm. And now we understand. So she talked about that. She talked about iterating protests, iterating right. their understanding. Like she used, she was, it, it was a... It sparked was, up those neurons of the It sparked uh, the up, audience. I think. It, mm. and, and I looked at a bit of the, a lot of the Twitter feedback was like, people had been brought to tears mm -hmm. i feel like i was I'm, I'm more resilient these days i'm more able to have these you know hear this and not get all um i don't know i mean i feel like i'm having a strong moment so i'm able yeah. to talk about these things without being all oh my god we're doomed mm. um she showed some of the artwork she talked about how they print how the extinction rebellion symbol is owned by everybody and no one and it needs to be protected and nobody can print it on a t-shirt and charge money for it it's not it's for use by everybody but mm. not to anyone's commercial gain so you mm. can't print Extinction Rebellion badges and sell them mm. but you can make a stamp and print it on everybody you know's clothes mm. and that's cool so it's that sort of so she talked about a lot of elements like that uh, perhaps I didn't because I didn't feel like she told me anything that I didn't already know because I follow it quite yeah. uh, closely so perhaps I'm I'm like yeah yeah I know all this so I'm not telling you the story very well <laughs> well yeah okay well I mean something so, I did want to ask was like is is like the getting arrested still kind of the core of of that yeah I think or like when you talk about like minimum viable protest is that still is the point still to get arrested like is is there any the, point doing like something it does viable include getting arrested for it I guess is what I'm wondering I get I think they they there is with all the because they have this kind of academic background they've done some research and reading and i think the premise is still that flooding the legal system with people being arrested for non-violent protest is a viable way to disrupt society because if if all the judiciary and the and the police force are doing is dealing with people who are you know get arrested for refusing to leave waterloo bridge mm. you know that's a lot of time and money that is going to be spent and it has to then be addressed in some way. So I think that, you know, that's definitely part of their, definitely part of the process, but that doesn't mean that you can't still, it's still on a voluntary basis. Yeah. And you then know, just as a sort of slightly more boring, a bit like what is the scale of Extinction Rebellion right now? Like, did she talk about she, the growth did, of it? Or? No, I don't know because it's set up as like a, self-organizing thing so there's some mm. rules and that's why like those protests where they uh, blocked the tube the underground in london mm. i don't know if you remember that and there was very angry responses from commuters that wasn't sanctioned that wasn't a formally sanctioned protest mm. but the pro and in fact it had been discussed and dismissed right but there you you know like if you have that sort of free self-organizing of course people are going to go off peace sometimes but it's a, it is a risk. Uh, somebody asked her a question about it. It's like, yeah, it's a risk, but you're not going to not do it just because somebody goes off. You know, there's a risk that some people might go a bit left field. Is it? I mean, is is the idea that it is sort of organised centrally, or like, I mean, how much? There, I guess there. I mean, I should probably look this up, but I guess they've got like here are the tenets of our of our rebellion, and you can go and do something as long as it's within these guidelines, and then what like. I guess so. I don't, I'm not really involved in the organising. I know that there are like, you know, city and neighbourhood chapters of people that get together. The Extinction Rebellion in my neighbourhood is obviously loud, loud and clear. Mm. Um, you know, there's a couple of streets you walk down every wheelie bin's got an Extinction Rebellion symbol mm. on it. But, um, but I don't think, I think it's more like, uh, I, it's not, I don't believe it to be centrally controlled. I think, 
from the centre might come some we've done some thinking about and we are going to go for an April rebellion but the actual ins and outs and I think they've set up frameworks and structures sort of the scaffolding as it were Well I'm looking at the website and it says our structure we organise in small autonomous groups distributed around the world these groups are connected in a complex web that is constantly evolving as we learn and grow we are working to build a movement that is participatory participatory decentralized and inclusive um yeah so it's like it's loose but it's still sort of yeah. like structured it's not like anyone yeah. could just go i'm doing extinction rebellion now i'm by by uh, yeah. pushing this policeman over and it, yeah and there's some things like they have a central like you can donate to a central fund that goes for right. let's say i donated to the legal crowdfunder but my local extinction rebellion also had some like 12 arrestees and so i donated to my local extinction rebellion directly because just because they're gathering money centrally doesn't mean there's going to be enough for everybody and it could cost a person i think um, somebody was telling me if you go to magistrates at magistrates court people are more likely to be found guilty at the moment than if they mm. go to proper grown-up court right Um, i'm not i don't think particularly highly of magistrates court i'm sorry um but they uh, but they it costs about 600 quid so you're you've got an out-of-pocket expense right um so you know if you if i can't be arrested uh, you know i'll give you some money to go towards and you can i you know i'm happy so there's different ways of helping or different ways of participating that aren't just about getting arrested that's quite um, a direct way to donate to something isn't it like i will pay like, your yeah. court fees i'll pay your court fees if you yeah. go and get arrested you know like yeah. i can't be arrested but i can pay for court fees or i can come and i remember in the first rebellion they were asking for people because the, the Met Police were bringing people down to Brighton to when they arrested them. Mm. And so then there was a bit of a call out. So I'm on the groups. I'm not... Uh, and they were like, can people volunteer to go and, you know, you go and meet somebody who's just been released, like with a flask of coffee and, a, and a, just a bit of personal contact? Because a lot of people who are being arrested have never broken the law in their well, lives. Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering what the... Is there... What are the consequences of that long term like you've got a criminal record now and then does that automatically flag things for you in future is it going to cause you problems i, think, I, think I know for, yeah. that's probably why it's so powerful to do it yeah but it's, it's, it's a pretty deep commitment to like okay geez. my uh i'm not gonna be able to get loans anymore you know yeah, I'm, I, yeah i don't you know i don't know what what it prevents you i think it you know it's also about whether or not you get convicted yeah okay um, and i think quite a number of people are, are are being able to present a case for not being actually found guilty so mm. if so well I certainly wouldn't recommend to many young people that they got arrested but equally like you know if you for example um uh having a criminal record does not necessarily prevent you from being a foster carer right because if you got arrested for you know participating in the poll tax riots yeah it does it doesn't matter you yeah know, like, i'm just you want, i'm thinking more about like automated systems that yeah. of like recruitment agencies and things like that where yeah, someone they, is just going to get like filtered out because of something right really superficial that isn't going to be looking at why they got arrested it's just going to go I, your criminal record yeah. is not that publicly available yeah, okay i know that because you know for a lot of these government contracts you have to produce a document that proves your your gives your criminal record status mm. so it's something that you have to apply and pay to be printed it's not open data you definitely if you have a criminal record it's very unlikely you'll be going to america on holiday if that's right. been your yeah, lifelong dream like and you might not be able to work with children or you might mm. not be able to in terms of getting a teaching job or something but then so so it's it, it you're you're making a massive commitment on your own mm. future really um so it's something that i think is much much easier so, for example, in that last rebellion, a lot of old people were putting themselves forward yeah. to be arrested, like in their 80s, because, I mean, yeah. you know, that sounds like a, a, a good way to, to protest your grandchildren's future. Yeah. Um, it's but, tricky, uh, isn't it? Yeah, like it, travel, that's a thing. Yeah, well, it's good. I, I think it's good to, to just spend a few minutes fleshing it out, adding some dimension to this thing. One thing she did say that I think is worth saying, because it sort of came up a bit, I think there was a theme, an underlying theme that I wrote down at the end, and she talked about the fact that letting go of outcomes is really important, and Extinction Rebellion have never been like, we demand that we all have renewable energy. It's never been about solutions or about 
outcomes. The outcome is let's all survive or as many of us as possible. She's like the first rule of of humanity is don't kill your children. Mm. <laughs> like the, so, um, so there is a common interest. What, what, what else? So after Extinction Rebellion, after Claire Farrell, we had Miata Fanbule. Mm. I'm not sure that's how you pronounce her surname. And she spoke about the Green New Deal. She right. spoke Excellent. very... Oh, that's the other thing I was thinking yeah. about reading out, actually. But go oh, on. the Green New Deal stuff. Yeah. So she was obviously incredibly knowledgeable. She was speaking... So Extinction Rebellion is like, fuck the system, break the system. We need a new system. We need to survive. Somebody talking about the New Economics Foundation, talking about the Green New Deal, is talking about... She's talking to to politics now. She's talking to bankers now. Because we don't really have time to smash the whole system up and come up with a new one and Mm. come up with solutions. We need to start fixing things now and then, you know, let's fix everything. Let's smash it all up. It's the same thing of the Dominic Cummings Brexit. Let's let's break the EU and then fix it. This is not so she's taking this a different view. She would have been very comfortable presenting in front of the World Bank and the you know, she had that sort of persona of um intellectual, well knowledgeable, well trained like and she was she'd got a a, a detailed prepared speech. Mm. <laughs> so it's like um she was presenting, uh whereas Claire Farrell was talking to us. It's a bit different. Um but we got it but it was all I was I was listening to it and relying on the video coming up because right. it was like full of stats right. that were very useful. But she was very clear, like there is no time to come up with a solution. You know, we've got Mark Carney telling telling business that yeah. there will be no business. Um, the insurance industry, there's all this, we are at crunch point. So, mm. and she's talking about exact, this Green New Deal, it, in its simplest, it's, just saying, Thatcher closed all the coal mines and left all these communities just to flail. Yeah. They weren't provided with any new jobs. The Green New Deal, part of the Green New Deal is going, right, we need to stop extracting fossil fuels today. Those people need jobs. Let's get them focused on insulating everybody's homes. Let's get them focused on new industries that are going to help us, like building renewable energy plants, whatever is necessary. So it's kind of a... Because one thing that she was very clear about is that the you cannot address climate change without addressing inequality. Mm, yeah. And she, she, start, she was absolutely citing the UN poverty report, right. all of those things of like we can. And you and I talk about this all the time, but it's that we cannot separate out inequality from climate change solutions or climate mm. crisis mitigations. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I think we're di- downgrading our, our, our um, potential futures but it's like uh so she was very impressive and i'm looking forward to listening i think i get a transcript of her talk or or being able to listen to her speech would actually be really useful because it's full of nuggets of stats of convincing arguments of we don't have time to dick about let's Mm. crack on she would not have sworn Ever. Uh, this, is, I'm gonna put, uh, this is a swearing. I'm trying to kind of keep the episodes swear free, but I think this one's going to be sweary. I think, I think this one's allowed to be sweary. And I'd like to follow up more on, on her separately. Like I, I added her to my Twitter. And, you know, meaning gives you this handy booklet. So yeah. you actually, uh, you know, when you, when you want to eke out your research over time, it's all there. 
Yeah. Uh, so Just a quick her. admin thing. Like it took takes them quite a while for the videos to come out, doesn't it? It does. Like it yeah. was a few, like maybe a month, month or two yeah. last time. So I would love to put the link in this episode, but uh, it's not out yet. But maybe we should like when they do come out, we should have like yeah. I can have a look at them, and maybe we should just like do a quick like recap five minutes whatever yeah. and then i can put the links in that one like when they yeah. do come through and then all of our listeners can listen to these instead of uh maybe i'll put some of the highlights from last year as links into this one um, this yeah. yeah this i think the one of the things i did write out, write out about her i wrote is like we need change of a scale that we've never achieved in peacetime right which is, right. you know, like if, if we all shifted the mindset and understood ourselves to be, you know, in a fight for our survival in a more war mode, then isn't old... isn't the ecological disaster supposed to, isn't it a common en enemy? Isn't that supposed to bring hum the human Humanity race together? together? Can't we stop spending all this money on arms and spend it on actually, you know, sorting this stuff out? Um, that would be good, wouldn't it? It would be good. I really enjoyed his talk because it was basically made up of quotes. His name was <laughs> Brett Henning. <laughs> Brett Hennig. Yeah. And he is from the Sortition Foundation. Sortition. Basically, so his whole thing was democracy is fucked. Uh, same sort of thing you and I talk about, like it needs to shift. And also, but he gave context and history to it. Uh, allowing, because when the democratic process came together 2000 years ago it was about people who could afford to vote so mm. if you're a white man or a man who was paying your taxes then you could vote uh, and then so basically they talk about so in an aristocratic system uh, an aristocrat makes a decision mm. but in democracy it's just you're kind of you're still giving a vote to a privileged few mm in one form or another. Mm. So he maintains that that's the problem and what we need in order to come up with the right solution. He's the advocate of the citizens' assemblies. Uh, right. And the reason he calls himself the Sortition Foundation and not the Random Selection Foundation mm. is that ran the word random has too many negative... Uh, well, but it ba sortition basically means random selection. Well, I just I just Googled it because I was like, sortition, like yeah. uh, beautician. But no, it's S-O-R-T-I-T-I-O-N. And yeah. in governance, sortition, also known as selection by lot, allotment or demarquee, is the selection of political officials as a random sample from a larger pool of candidates, a system intended to ensure that all competent and interested parties have an equal chance of holding public office. Could you, yeah, that's cool. So then he talks, you know, he takes us through history and a few people are going... This is not, the, you know, this isn't the right thing. That's just, we've just cut all the heads off the aristocrats post-French revolution, mm -hmm. but then it's given a different vote to a different privileged small crowd. But citizens' assemblies are a thing. They yeah. are not a get a group of people into a room, everybody pro-immigration, anti-immigration. Yes, <laughs> no, it's not like, it's set up much more as a, uh, this is my impression and understanding of it from, uh, what I knew before and and now is basically you get a bunch of people randomly selected in a room, but you it's a structured and organised conversation which inv involves being uh, informed as well. So you'll have groups of people that absolutely disagree, mm. uh, but have but the the room is set up like any workshop or big workshop that you organise. Like it, there are there are things that you do to get everybody talking properly. And my understanding is, and I'm I'm willing to believe this, that they will often come up. It's like the jury system. Ju yeah. Juries yeah. are randomly selected, and juries tend to you know. It, I don't think there's many occasions when a ju when a jury gets it 
or we, you know, I don't know if they get it right or wrong. I don't, I don't know. But I think, I think there's something, an element of these citizens' assemblies about education. And I did walk up to a table of random people. And in fact, I think it was the, one of the guys was the guy that I saw doing a blockchain talk to maybe the first time I went. So it was like, Right, Twitter sample poll. Uh, if you don't know that the government spends more on pensions than on uh, defence, uh, should you be allowed to vote? Well, because if we do random selection, blah, 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 all sorts of people will be turning up. And I was like, that, but that's not it. It's like you would, if you were called for a citizens' assembly, you would go off to a place where you have experts come and talk to you. And then somebody else went, yes, but what constitutes an expert? I was like, oh, I don't know. And what I'm saying is that somebody who clearly does and has studied this and looked into it has got some ideas and I am not willing to throw them away. Was yeah, my- you know, but just, I, I just want to like, just... Say like yeah, I, you're introducing a new concept, sortition to me certainly, and yeah, then yeah, I yeah. think that will be an idea that you'll have heard this guy talking about. I thought yeah, that seems like a better way to do it. Um, I just was trying to spark that conversation about what you're then talking about, which yeah. is why this shit never happens because the debate just immediately goes to this superficial like first reaction and then yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know disingenuous like responses yeah. and then press spreading fear, you know, like having yeah, their yeah, agenda yeah. and like just. That you know that nudge economics of it, yeah. it just seems like good new ideas have a such a tough, tough time. time. Yeah, um, and, I, and there was a fourth woman at this little table that I stood at with my cup of coffee waiting for somebody I know to appear so I could walk away. <laughs> and, then, mm-hmm. and she was going, yeah, but in in her impression was that in Ireland, before repealing the eighth, they ran citizens assemblies around the countries that even worked towards the definition, the the, the wording of the question in the referendum. Right. So, right. you know, you could have a citizens assembly that first establishes what we mean by expert. Yeah. If that is necessary, well, yeah. do you know what if I mean? That's, like, if, that's if that's your concern, what, yeah, no, people, then, then yeah, we, we can, can do that. deal with that with this mechanism. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really it's really easy for people to go associate the term with something that they've had some superficial yeah. debunking of, and yeah. then they stop thinking about it. And that's 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 and a the, real problem. And this woman goes, she went, "What about focus groups?" I was like, "Focus groups, people are not randomly selected." Mm. So and also they're not really given any information. Right. <laughs> and also, like, what's your they, initial stupid reaction? Like, yeah, I don't even you. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, in the same way that I spend a lot of time arguing why speaking to five people for an hour each is good data. Mm. I'm willing to accept that this person who clearly knows about these things has got some structures and tools and things to make them work. So I liked his talk. Yeah, it was nice and quick fire and and quote. It was nice. Mm. Nice and style. I, I will say, yeah, like a, another reason that this, these sorts of ideas have a tough time is like, and that's in the UN Poverty Report, is people in government, ministers, these people that are in charge think there's not even a problem to be solved. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. this is yeah. like, how are you even going to get it on their, on their plate without like, you know, yeah. chopping their heads off? I do not know. <laughs> A fabulous woman called Jennifer Brandell, who mm. came up with a thing called Harkin. Harkin. Harkin, as in, as, as uh, Nick's mum often says to my daughter, hark at you. Right. <laughs> so Not that, harken back to simpler, more racially listen, defined no, times. Listen, it's about listening. Listening, okay. She is a journalist and she okay. is, uh, she talked about, so there were two themes to what she spoke about. One was about m- making s- journalism to be something that serves its community rather than takes this parent-child approach where we tell you things and you have to accept them. It's more like in my society, so it's more of a civil a service to society, not a parent to society. So in Chicago, she's a journalist in Chicago, so what they do is let citizens ask a question and then the journalist would investigate and find the answer. Right. So, 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 okay. so it's kind I of I get it. inclusive, participatory news uh, generation. The, I think the, there were two examples that stuck in my head 
Uh, one was a woman walking around Chicago. There was she had some good stories, but I'll go with two because I'm not telling you a whole talk. <laughs> so two <Please>. examples because <laughs> you know what I haven't got time. But uh, <laughs> one one of them was somebody walking around Chicago noticing that all the water fountains were on all the time. So she right. wrote this question in, and then the journalist phoned up the parks and services or whatever they are, and they were they they were told that the uh, pipes are so full of lead that the water's really undrinkable. So um, they were trying to flush out the system by leaving the taps on all the time, which led to a whole bigger story about lead pipes in Chicago, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, it's kind of a a good... Somebody who's in their city noticing things. And then another example was a bit jollier, which was some young lasses asking about how many dances originated in Chicago. And then it actually culminated, and there's quite a few apparently, and then it culminated in this like sort of festival day where lots of people got together in, in Chicago and showed each other different dances and it was cross-generational and, or, and there's sunshine and rainbows came out and it was amazing. But it was a nice story. Um, and so that was one element of what she spoke about. And then she spoke about, OK, this is working and people keep asking me how I get this to to work and I've got this system so I start a business but then because I'm a sort of social socially conscious business a social enterprise and I can't get to talk to the venture capitalist types Mm. um, because also she's a woman and in America it's provable that if you're a woman or a person of colour you just don't get on there they don't they don't listen they don't care so ignores you yes so they talk about like we're not a charity we don't we're not a not-for-profit we want to make a profit but we also aren't a unicorn company that we expect somebody to be able to sell for 70 12 billion dollars in three years so they've coined this new thing which is a zebra kind of company (laughs) which is like we want to make money we don't want to like eke all every all the hoard value from the world Mm. um we we have an idea that is of benefit to society um and zeb there was a couple of reasons zebras are black and white they they work in herds and a herd a group of zebras is called a dazzle which is fortunate. <laughs> so, uh, though she had all this other, and she wrote some great stuff about. I, she's another one I'd like to follow up on, uh, mm. but she had some great stuff about how uh, you know uh, they played. She and a few other women got together and wrote about. Uh, there was lots of plays on words about what venture capitalists expect in terms of like graphs going up and uh, using you know all that sort of aggressive masculine. <laughs> um, so As, she was uh, fun. Restaurants Brighton, a zebra company. I think we kind of are actually, and I did walk away from that because we've got quite a lot of things that we do without formal structures. So that I'm coming on to talk later about steward ownership, mm. which has given me some new language, which I like. Uh, but yeah, I think we are. We, we're like when none of us, the, the the four of us that are involved, none of us have any interest in. People go, oh, do you want to roll it out? Do you want to scale it? Do you want a different town? No. <laughs> We're quite happy serving Brighton, uh, Mm. which is our community that we live in. uh, And we, you know, make enough to live. And, you know, that's that'll that'll do us. Thank you. Uh, Mm. But obviously, we still need to continue to invest and keep it interesting and blah, blah. But we're not looking for investment. But, you know, if you've got some investment, I'm always up for (laughs) free money. (laughs) But I can't promise you much. Free money. (laughs) Everybody wants free money. Anyway, so, um, so... Yes, that was good. Uh, also, you'd be pretty annoyed if you discovered that the uh, metal you'd made all of your plumbing from turned out to be poisonous. Rachel Lilly from Aberystwyth University is a behavioural insights uh, researcher, but she talks, she does research into mindfulness. And the emerging thing is that uh, we, I I liked what she was talking about, uh, is that we, mindfulness is presented as a way of coping with the misery of life. Yeah. And in many ways is making us, it, like they bring mindfulness into work in a stressy work e- environment in a way that in essentially is blaming, you know, it's you yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, being yeah. able to deal Puts with it rather than us as shit. So it's like person. a way of yeah. putting therapy and blame onto the person instead of 
just making things better. Yeah. So, and her her talk was a bit. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. So, and and she also talked about how the systems that we have in our, our current democracy, like local councils and government and policy making, is all about presenting a position and then having to justify and defend it mm. rather than collaborate to come up with the right solution. So she was yeah. talking about even the structure of council chambers. It's like, you know, there's a panel of people and then the poor civil servant has to come in and go, please don't hate me, but I'd really like us to have a well-being thing. And then they're like, right, how much is that going to cost us? So it's all set up in a sort of a, a combative environment positional rather than a, arguments and, and yeah. this is exactly what i wanted to do the next left episode about which is that kind of okay. how to have those negotiations and how to come to decisions without like starting from what i want to actually do because that immediately like screws things up according she, to this yeah. book uh, so i think she hers was very and i wrote a few bits about hers actually but she mm. also talked about um that essentially we're learning loads more about the brain and how it works and also mm. about like in the last 10 or so years 10 20 years we've we've kind of come up a, there's been a step change in our understanding but one of the things she talked about as well is that you can't really disassociate emotion from thinking so you know we mm. talked about we talk often about objectivity and subjectivity and actually you kind of are your emotions and your thinking is your emotions and you can't it's not as separatable as we all think which is not a mm. word separable maybe separable. i don't know separable yeah that's a good one then <laughs> okay <laughs> so so that's her then the next person was called armin Stoyernagel, mm. <laughs> Armin Stoyernagel, something like that. Anyway, he's from Germany, obviously, and he he was really good to listen to. Uh, he was a he was like I'm a capital. He's one of those. I'm a self-professed capitalist. I believe in private ownership. I, it's nice to own things. It's like your baby. I started my company when I was 16. He never talked about what he actually did, what his company produces, okay. or anything like that. He, but he talked about this new structure he came up with, and the fact that this, you know, more than employee owned, it's stewardship, uh, steward ownership, and which includes an element that says. Because uh, there's, there's some good historical examples, like John Lewis is an employee-owned yeah. organisation. You can't take your votes with you if you leave. You only have a vote while you work there. Blah blah blah. And most employees have a vote. Uh, he uh, and there's some other examples like Bosch. Bosch is a steward-owned company, mm. uh, but and a lot of he got which surprised you know just surprised. I hadn't really thought about it, but it made me. It kind of makes sense that. A com like John Lewis is a quality company. Bosch mm. is a quality company. It's like if you don't just care about accruing wealth for shareholders, then you actually have a bit more freedom to do quality things. Mm. You know, I think yeah. take a bit more pride in your product, in your structures. Anyway, this, the, the one element of this steward ownership was this need for some sort of foundation or they, they call it the purpose. They have actually created this structure, this purpose foundation that says there will be one share will always be held by this foundation. So you can, and its sole job is to veto any effort to sell the company. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or to change its structure. So it's like, yeah. we, because whilst you have the, a bit that sort of like, so there's no, no concept of an exit strategy. What's your yeah. exit strategy? Mm. None of that shit. None of these unicorn companies. It's like yeah. we're making a thing that's going to make jobs and make people happy in our community and it's going to last forever. You know, like, so these companies have very long lives, like 130 years, 100, yeah. you know, like, like, I think Bosch has been going for 120 years and has had seven CEOs. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like... Can I interrupt with my Please own do. experience of that, which is when I talked to my uncle, who's a sort of like marketing head of whatever in companies um, here. I talked to him when I was starting my Good to Hear and like talking about my happiness app and saying, look, I just want to do this for a while. He's like, well, you've got to think about your exit strategy and all this stuff. And I was like, I'm not interested in that. Um, I just want to like try and make a good product and like keep it going. And, that you know, I, I want this to be what I do. And then um, like a few years goes by and I'm like, kind of don't really want to work on that app anymore but i've got no exit strategy <laughs> so uh i don't know yeah. i don't know what i think it's like maybe you need a because he was like you've got to structure it so that you can like sell off sell it off and i was like ah, that sounds like nonsense and i'm like i wish i could sell off a bit of this but i think you could sell off but that's a product not a company like you could sell that's your true. app to somebody 
I don't I think there's so. any reason yeah, I suppose why so. not. But I'm still, I'm still trying to do this. Uh, I think this idea of like you only have a say while you're still working there has just got me thinking about. Okay, I want to do this. Everyone pays, gets paid the same. But maybe we have a concept of like that you're currently actively working on the project product is that when that happens but if you then at some point we say we kind of talk to each other and say okay do you want to like not work on this anymore that means you won't get this thing so it's not like a share that you can just hold on to forever no, it's no, like no. so that's what that's because that's something that's been playing on my mind about doing the equal pay it's like well how does that work if people come and go i'm not sure no but if you just said it's while they're there then i think that's that's yeah. doable and you can sort of define that even if it is quite loose and yeah. contractory uh, so I rated him. He was good. Another one to good. follow up. Um, what's next? What's next On is... On this merry-go-round of ideas that all seem like an awful lot of work and effort and <laughs> yeah. scary. And, like, where do you even start? How do you do any of this without oh, not doing anything else for five years? God. I have no idea. Uh, then we had World Fair Trade Organisation, not to be confused with the Fair Trade Stamp, not that he was in any way dismissive of the fair trade stamp. He's just like, well, that's not us. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, he talks. It's the nice thing about the meaning conference is that you will collect a lot of examples of different ways of doing business that don't destroy the earth. So, World Fair Trade Organization, nice man with an Aussie accent. Okay, uh, talked about businesses. It's like you know, um, the guy last year who did the Zayton olive oil from Palestine. Yeah. It's basically lots of examples of businesses like that. Right. Uh, but he did talk about, I, I wrote it under his face, but I don't think it was him that was talking about <laughs> okay. it. Because in the dark, you know, you open your book and you write down words and you're like, oh. Okay. Uh, but he, he, there was, somebody said, stop being fatalistic. Mm -hmm. Like this idea, even, I think it might even have been a woman that talked about mindfulness. It's like, you, if you are going to accept things, um, uh, you, you know, basically you don't have to accept things. And as soon as you have any power, you should use it, whatever your power is. So it's more that sort of act now. Don't just be fatalistic in anything mm. that you do. The next speaker was a woman called Sarah McKinley. I liked her very much. I found her to be very impressive, like the woman who spoke about the Green New Deal, Miata, but she was, and the, but there was a slight difference in her talk is that it was more personal. It was more from her, from a position of her life looking mm. out rather than presenting a solution or presenting like a convincing argument. So she was mm. very convincing and she was very angry. Like she was very serious. This was a, this is like a, we we this is unacceptable this is you know there, there was uh, you know children in supposedly the richest uh, country in the world which is the u.s she was american as well she was yeah. like for people for anybody to be hungry for anybody it's just unacceptable and yeah. she used she was she got the gravitas but the humanity and the yeah. humility i totally i i would to work for her in a heartbeat. Uh, in fact, I'd like to be her when I grow up. Um, okay. So she was cool. And then a wonderful, warm human being called Agamemnon Otero. Mm. Agamemnon. Uh, he was all about community-owned green energy products and he's like got loads of projects going in london where these different communities set up solar panels on their on their on the roof of their council estate for example and so it's like a um he's all about bringing together communities and he was just but the way he spoke was just so human <laughs> and he was like um you know guys we're all great and i know we're going for a tough time at the moment because we don't have any real good male role models and we're all emotional and everything but every single one of these projects is led by a female you know by a matriarch <laughs> you know <laughs> if you want a community green project greening project you need a matriarch who will bring it all together knows all the kids on the estate knows everyone knows who their mum is knows what they're doing knows who <laughs> needs help knows who's like and that just makes it happen and it, he was just it may it, again another one to follow up because there's things you can invest in like he's got there's green bonds that he does. There's like all sorts of stuff. And he talked about uh, 
when you talk when he when he goes to the finance industry and talk because the finance industry came up a lot uh came up with the with the steward ownership thing as well which is interesting but i can't go into i can't tell you everything that but and then he talked about it which is like a reasonable return in a reasonable amount of time should be enough you know, so four percent in a reasonable amount of time is fine. Why do we? Why do you have to be three thousand six hundred percent return on your investment in like these unicorn terms? Is just ridiculous. So I quite mm. liked his language as well, and he was lovely as a human. And he gave you the badge. No, no he didn't. Did? Oh, we've got more. We've got one more. Okay. No, we've got two more. We've got Paul two Mason more. being Paul Mason. You know, talking about Marxism and. The left needs to adjust. He talked about AI and humanity and humans and uh, who gets to define what a human is and deep mind got switched on and then it got switched off and blah, blah. Mm. Um, <laughs> the thing about... Uh, and, you know, like, there was three of us that hung out together a lot and we all, we all responded differently to different speakers. And Paul Mason, mm. I sort of... He reminded me that I probably don't think enough about AI. That yeah. was basically what I uh, talked about. And then there was this weird... I need to look up a, look it up a bit as well because there was this weird linguistic stuff that I've never really thought about. So it's like human race is a bad thing to say. You should say human species and, you know, like... Oh, the nice thing, the, the, the good thing about his... Um, the, the basis for all these conversations, like we should be able to decide and define what is a good society mm. how how happy you know like what does a human in the good society look like how do they behave mm. what do they have and then from that the system should be in place to help us execute that you that's know. my plan i know that's what we, i've been saying many of us have excellent plans on it one person's gonna somebody's gonna get it through yeah, good. I'm so, glad other people are pitching this. Yes. Maybe so, I can relax. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you could help. Or send in, let's send in me a link to Blank State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Then we had Math Potts as our final speaker. His, he has started a thing called the Camarados. And he was funny and engaging and mm. spoke about himself maybe that's just me i just want to want people to talk about themselves like why why are you talking about this thing what makes you interested in this thing so he talked about he'd run homeless shelters and he talks and he said when it because he got us to do this exercise where you know think about the first 10 years of your life and then 10 to 18 and then the rest of your life and then he was like think back to go back to your happiest day doesn't that be the happiest day ever but a happy day what defines that happy day friends and you're either doing something you love or you're with people you love yeah. and he said in all the years of running, running homeless shelters where I got people a job and a room and, a, and I go have you got have you got a job yeah have you got a house yeah I never ever asked them if they had a friend or a purpose but I had mm. got them a job in Asda so of course they all came back because without mm. friends and purpose we're we, you know we're human we need to connect yeah so he set up this thing called the camarados and you 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 set up a public living room wherever you might set one up and there are many of them now across the united kingdom and you can go and sit down there's no staff and nobody's organizing you just go and sit down and somebody might sit down next to you and you might go so like he gives example of the one in a hospital where you know like a heart surgeon comes and a cardiac surgeon comes sit down and goes i'm just having a really bad day and someone goes do you want a hug and gives and he goes right i'm ready now to go back to <laughs> to you know, fixing people's hearts and then somebody else sits down and they're like, they've just lost someone they love. So that's a kind of extreme examples. But he's even got an example in a market town where people are just, where on market day, they have the this public living room that the market traders like so much, they bought the organiser a marquee, so that, not a marquee, mm. a gazebo. So it, was, it was just lovely. And he's the one that gave us out these... Uh, badges that said i'm a bit shit sometimes <laughs> it's like because we all are a bit shit sometimes and you know fair dues uh so he was a great one to end on he he did make us all sing waterloo by abba oh, <laughs> which you would have loved loved so you would, you would approached it with an open heart and you would have loved, relished 
every head second. voice, <laughs> chest voice, bellow. <gasps> I'd been doing harmonies. So, anyway. uh, but yeah, I mean, but it was fun because the dome where meaning is held is where ABBA won the Eurovision Song Contest okay. with Waterloo. <laughs> Uh, so I just noticed today that my uh, shorthand name for the product I've been working on is Euroviz, as in Eurorack visualizations. But I just noticed that it also sounds like Eurovision. <laughs> so maybe I need to stop calling it that. Um, okay, is that meaning? That is meaning. Pretty much I, I enough. Can, it, that is if you enough. want to see more, get a bloody ticket. <laughs> or watch the videos and we put them in. Yeah, yeah exactly. If you need more meaning in your life, watch the videos. Sh- Sign up the newsletter, do all those sorts of things. Yeah. Uh, and how are you feeling? How, how are you? Uh, and you said you're sort of feeling in a strong place, but how, how, how's the, what are the motivations this year? <laughs> yeah. I think, so the themes were, there were two themes. One was, I think, one was about doing things as humans we've all known how to do have forgotten to do there are lots of things about going back and remembering remembering to talk to people remembering to buy low like not remembering but like going back to the behaviors we've gone we've gone off in a direction and you know it was an interesting journey we've learned some things but we've gone too far in that direction both Mm. societally and in terms of human happiness and planet wise you know like consuming ah you know and like not yeah. talking to each other and living in little units and forgetting that we yeah. can babysit for each other's kids and help out and all these things so we need to come back to a place where we we remember that we we need each other yeah. all of us need each other all of us yeah. need friends all of us need other humans all yeah. of us need somebody to sometimes give us a hug there is definitely that element and that's not necessarily and I, I actually don't particularly care how hippie that sounds. But even going into your local it's, coffee shop does not sound hippie to me. You know, and I think I'm not complete. I'm not. I'm sensitive to that. Who was it? You saying how do we get rid of cynicism, or was it somebody else? Anyway, that's a different conversation, probably. <laughs> but so just you know, and and connecting doesn't just mean these um, going and sitting in a public living room and giving a stranger a hug. It also means going to your local shop. It means thinking about where your business is, who it employs, how that impacts on their lives, how many people are impacted when you close a business in a particular town, mm. or when you grow a business or you buy. So that was definitely one of the themes. Uh, Mm. And the other was that there are lots of ways of doing business that aren't just about wealth extraction Mm. and accumulation and like extracting wealth, I think, is a really a phrase that I'm not sure I use enough. But a lot of a lot of business are set up. A lot of businesses are set up as systems to extract wealth. I've been saying farm value is how I've been talking about it. But, but yeah, yeah farming just, farming wealth from our attention, from yeah. our every single like nook and cranny yeah. of our it's lives just, is being farmed and extracted yeah. and it's like the pulled bi- up into Jeff Bezos's, yeah. you know. Hundred and fourteen billion dollars. I mean, yes. if he gave away $113 billion, he would still be a billionaire. Yeah. He would still have more money than he could ever spend, ever, ever. <laughs> and probably children, 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 and it, like, that could do so much good. The uh, steward ownership thing, what, you know, his examples were things like that search engine, Ecosia, the tree planting yeah. one. The guy who started that was offered $100 million dollars. Yeah. And he declined the offer. So instead of signing a contract going, yeah, I'll have $100 million in my account, he signed a different contract which made it a steward-owned company. So yeah. he start, everybody who works for Ecosia, like what a feeling to have had Boom. your boss go, no, I don't want $100 million. I want to work with you guys. I want to build something amazing. And, I, you know, like... So I think that's a good story to end. Yes, on. good, very good. That's like what well, that's what we would like. That's what I would like oh, to do. I'd like to do as that. Well, I'd like to be offered the hundred million pounds and say. Mm. Okay, thanks for listening. If you like the podcast. Go to grandpodcast.com 
there's a subscribe button or you can do it within the app in which you're listening I think probably most likely uh, where can people find you Vankar people can find me at Ivanka on Twitter and increasingly doing the grand podcast uh, Instagram hmm you can find me at michaelforestmusic.com and youtube.com forward slash user forward slash michaelforest if you want to see my videos uh, which I'm you know keeping them coming and um, yeah we also have a Patreon if you're fancy like if you just do want to help help me uh, you know help us pay some uh, this isn't free to operate <laughs> if you want to help us out that would be wonderful um, there's a lot of content there now uh, it's all for free and no adverts even so you know Patreon fancy guys you know why not why not why not spend be, don't be Jeff be someone cool um, what else uh, if you could write us any reviews, ratings, that kind of things, that helps people find us because we have to beat those algorithms. Also, tell a friend about it. Just now, a stranger in a bus stop. Hi, oh, I'm listening to this great podcast. You should listen to it too. Mm-hmm. Well, you might like it. Should listen to it. It's probably a bit too directive. Maybe you <laughs> might like it. That might work better. People don't tend to like being told what to do. And uh, <laughs> that would be great if you did that. Marvellous. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Excellent. Help feed the AI, feed the algorithms, get us our podcast surfaced in people's feeds. Recommendations. All right. Thanks for listening anyway. And we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.